This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of health care coverage. The OTP with Mike Keith and Amy Wells. Hello, Mike Keith. I'm okay today. How are you doing, Amy Wells? Oh, I'm so good. You didn't ask me how I was, but I figured I would go ahead and No, I'm you. glad you offered it up. We're all about sharing on this show. So That's exactly right. I'm glad that you felt comfortable bringing forth your feelings. Titans Radio's Dave McGinnis is on the program as usual. Coach Mack? I'm all about feelings. I'm really doing good. All right. Jim Wyatt from TennesseeTitans.com, senior writer, editor, Ryan Clark's favorite guy. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Hope everyone's doing great today. All right. So Ryan Clark, what did he make the comments about Derrick Henry on? What show was this? This was on, I believe, first take. It was an ESPN show where he was on with Stephen A. Smith and uh, Max Kellerman and uh, they were discussing the Titans-Steelers matchup, and uh, he mentioned Eric Henry and fake bravery in the same sentence. He runs strong against guys at the next second level, but not so much uh, against some of these bigger guys he faces uh, when he's hitting the line of scrimmage. So as if Derrick Henry needed any more reason to run ticked off. So, okay, Ryan Clark is a former – he was a safety, right, Coach? Yes. And he played for Washington and Pittsburgh, right? Yes, sir. Didn't he go to LSU? Yes. Okay. So I'm just making sure I have him right for our audience. So, I mean, how I take it, Amy, is he's saying that Derrick Henry does not pick on people his own size. Yeah, that's how I take it, too. But that sounds to me like it's coming from someone who's retired and doesn't have to tackle Derrick Henry. So I, I, I say take that with a grain of salt because... Here he is sitting at home saying these things. He's not trying to tackle Derrick Henry. But it's got Titans fans all stirred up. Is that what I'm is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I think that's fair. I think people have taken notice. Dave McGinnis, do you think Derrick Henry will care? No, not a bit. Ryan Clark was a good player. Mm-hmm. He was a good player. But he's not playing Derrick Henry right now. And so, you know, Derrick Henry, I mean Ryan Clark saying that's like Derrick Henry running running past a stand-up dummy. Doesn't make any difference. What do you think the Steelers are thinking right now, though, Coach? They don't care. Ryan Clark's a good player. Let me put that out there again. Legitimate player. Now he's getting paid to talk. That's fine. Look, the Steelers and the Titans players and coaching staff, they know what this game is. They don't need anybody, whether former, prior, long time ago, recent, player telling them how physical this game is going to be. They all know. But it does add something, doesn't it, Amy? Oh, yeah. I mean, you love some bulletin board material when it's motivating your own locker room. Sure. I like that stuff. I'm all about the controversy, you know? I love going into a game with a little extra juice behind it. And do I like the idea of Derrick Henry running mad on Sunday? Of course I do. But do I think it really moves the needle? Someone who is no longer playing saying that he is not impressed by Derrick Henry? No. Here's the thing, Jim, about the Steelers' run defense. They gave up a 74-yard run to Miles Sanders from Philadelphia. And so that is roughly 25% of the yards they've given up all year on the ground. If you took that run out they would be giving up less than or right at 200 right at 50 yards a game rushing i mean 
this is one of the better run defenses we've ever seen in the time that you and I have have covered Titans games. I mean, Derrick Henry's got a, a lot of challenge here, period. No doubt. I mean, they're giving up, I think, the average spot of that run is 64.2, which is second in the NFL. So pretty spectacular. No question. They were up 38-7 last week. You're banning the run in that situation. But all those other games that they were in, and they're 5 and up, 26-16, 26-21, 28-21, 38-29. Those are games where teams are going to continue to try to run the football. They just haven't been able to do it. What weather is so effective, they get a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention, obviously, because of how much they blitz. They also run blitz a lot and do a lot to, to keep backs in check. Why are they so good against the run, Dave McGinnis? They got big athletic dudes up front that can play. I mean, when you really start looking at the people they have, you know, from stem to stern, you go, you start going in, in, in a five-man front from left to right. They are they are all stout. They can all run. And, look, Keith Butler uh, took over uh, as a defensive coordinator there for Dick LeBeau, and he has continued and even added on to the whole Blitzburg scenario. I mean, he's bringing people constantly. On first down, on first down, you're going to get <clears throat> at least five. You're going to get at least five, sometimes probably six. And, and, the, and the percentage, I think he's up around 52% as to where he's bringing somebody extra all the time. And that coupled with the fact that they are just big physical players that are athletic. They've got a lot of lateral movement to those people uh, up front. And then they're, they're stout enough to be able to two-gap people across the front. And when you two-gap people and then bring extra people off the edge, you really shrink the perimeter of, of your offense uh, really, really quickly. It's a huge challenge. And, and the Titans are going to have to beat people man on man, one-on-one. They bring so many people. You're not able to get a lot of a lot of combo blocks on this group. You've got to beat them man to man. Yeah, thanks for correcting me, Jim. I said 66 yards per game. It is 64. You're 100% correct. Tyson Brilo starting for Taylor Lewan, Dave McGinnis. How much of a difference does that make in the Titans' run game? Well, it, it won't make a difference until he proves he can't handle his one-on-ones on the edge because that's what everything, everything starts from. When Taylor Lewan was out there, he could handle his one-on-ones on the edge. When, when Tyler has come in there, except for that first play that he came in last week against the Texans, when J.J. Watt made that inside move on him and strip sack fumble on the quarterback, you know, every time that he's played, and he's played quite a bit, you know, for Taylor, you know, uh, in, in this season. I mean, he's gone in there because, because uh, you know, because Taylor's been on the, has been hurt some. He's gone to the sideline some, you know, and Amy Wells has reported on it, and then he's come back in. Well, you know, he's hurt now for, for a while. And so, anyway, he's proved that he could handle the one-on-ones, but until he proves that he can't handle the one-on-one out there on the edge, then we'll continue to do the same thing. Once that starts happening as to where he proves that he can't, then you're going to have to do something else, and Arthur Smith will have that ready because at least he's got a game week preparation going into it against, you know, arguably the best defense in the league. Numbers-wise, Chicago has the best defense in the league. Numbers-wise, I'm not sure this group isn't the best across the board personnel-wise. But anyway, be that as it may, uh, he'll get a chance, first of all, to prove that he can handle it one-on-one, and then we'll have to start doing some other things if he can't. Amy, you knew that Taylor Lewan's injury was pretty bad right away, yes? Yes. There are some people who you just get familiar with their mannerisms when you watch them kind of in the way that I do. Um, 
being a sideline reporter, you get a little bit used to the way that guys interact with one another, the way that they react to big plays. You kind of get an idea with certain players, just kind of what they're going to do in certain situations. And Taylor Lewan is one of those people. Obviously, Mike, you and I had that radio show with him years ago. So we got to know him a little bit more personally in that realm. And he's been around here gosh, almost as long as I have. So I feel I know Taylor Lewan pretty well. And seeing the way that he reacted when he walked off the field, usually Taylor is very aware of where I am, usually because I'm standing close by the offensive line because I can see when they're on the field. Um, and he's usually kind of where and he'll give me some sort of a thumbs up if he's okay or kind of a he'll usually give me some sort of a signal. So I kind of have an idea of what's going on. I could tell by the look on his face that something was really wrong. And he has said, he's put out some videos since then. And one of the videos that I saw was him talking about how when he was in the tent, they checked his knee, they checked his knee again. And they said they couldn't even feel his ACL. And he, he got very upset in that moment. And when he came out of the tent, I could see that he was visibly upset. Um, and that's kind of when I knew this is this is something that's for real. There was no thumbs up. There was no I'm OK. Like none of that. He was it, it, it was different than normal. And um, that's kind of when I knew that this is this is a real injury. And this is this is something that's not good. Jim White, the Titans played the second half with that Taylor Lewan and without John U. Smith. Lewan is gone for the year. The good news is it feels like Jonu Smith is going to be available for Sunday's game against Pittsburgh, and Jonu Smith could be a big factor in this. He could be a big help. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, the injury report is as promising as it's been since the beginning of the season. You know, obviously the question remains about it. Dory Jackson, who I'm sure we're going to get to. But uh, you look at the injury report, everybody was back, a full participant today. Jonu Smith has been such a big factor for this team like to see a guy like uh, Anthony Percher step up when he had the opportunity last week. But to have your full complement of players, you know, not at the tight end position, but at the receiver position. We have to go all the way back to week one in Denver. The last time this team had Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys and A.J. Brown and John U. Smith and Anthony Percher, Michael Pruitt, I mean, all these guys together. So I think that's a big lift. Yeah, you hate to lose Taylor Watt, the guy who's worked hard and really put himself in position to be successful this year, but I think you have to be feel good about maybe where things are heading from a health standpoint after everything this team has been through during the first part of the season. One of the things they've been through, Dave McGinnis, is they have not been able to practice regularly in almost a month. This week, however, the real thing, and uh, I think Mike Vrabel was pretty pleased with not necessarily every bit of execution, but just the fact that they got to work as hard as they did. Yeah, Mike, you and Amy and I were standing there Thursday and, and, and you know, and, and I, I commented to both of you, at least they get a chance now to work with some speed. They have not been able to work, you know, any at all with any speed, you know, as far as just developing timing offensively or defensively, you know, for nearly three weeks. And they played two ball games, you know, during that time. So that to me uh, was, a, was a really good feeling this week. And I know that, that Mike Vrabel, felt good about it too, being able to get his players. Jim has already uh, told us how many of the players uh, that we're able to get back, but Mike Vrabel and his coaches were really happy to get them back on the field and be able to do some things with them up to practice speed so that they can get an idea, you know, of, of, of where they are. 
They have not been able to do that for quite a while. Huge, huge props to everybody involved that they were able to win two ball games not doing that, but it was time to get back up to speed in practice. And explain getting your body back in the groove of taking the punishment and having it rebound and being able to fight through that and what a normal schedule and, and normally what October, November brings is you, your body starts to get a rhythm. The Titans haven't had any of that. No, they have not. I and mean, first of all, I mean, it's, it's, it's redundant to start talking about truncated preseason. And, you know, that we've already lived through that. But, but during the season, you try to get slotted in in the groove, and, and you get slotted in by the days as to how you treat your body. You know, guys have very specific times they get massages, very specific times they go hot, cub, hot tub, cold tub, very specific things that they do to gear up, you know, for a Tuesday walkthrough and then for a Wednesday practice, for a Thursday speed practice, and then for a Friday bring everything together. You, you get used to what you're doing, but, you know, they've basically been walking through everything until this week and so that that's extremely extremely important i mean and they have been having to do that not being able to go through their same regimen of taking care of their bodies they've been playing games they've been playing games and there are definite days that you feel differently than other days but you need a a a, a rhythmic flow to it to be able to keep that going during the season hopefully they're in that slot now and we can start with that Excellent job by our panel on last week's OTP with the players who would have to play well if the Titans were going to beat the Texans. Dave McGinnis uh, said Roger Saffold, and he had a very good game. Jim Wyatt said Derrick Henry, and he obviously had a very good game with 212 yards. And Amy Wells said Jeffrey Simmons, and he had a sack. Uh, saved the game at the end by batting down the pass. Kudos to you, Miss Wells, for for hitting Big Jeff there because he was certainly a factor on a day that the defense didn't have a lot of a lot of stars. So I'll let you just take a moment to bask in your uh, in the glory of your prognostication. Go right ahead. The floor is yours. Well, you know, Mike, I don't get these opportunities very often to really just enjoy a victory for me. I'm a little afraid that this is the lead up to the new round of games, which is my least favorite portion of the podcast. So I'm afraid that this, again, is a trap. But um, I'm enjoying the moment of me. This is nice. The moment of me. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the title of your book. <laughs> the lifetime of me, Mike. I want to pop back to you for a minute. Guy who leads the NFL in sex is Eric Donald. Los Angeles Rams defensive tackle, someone you certainly know well. And he's the standard by which D tackles are judged in this league. What, what does Jeffrey Simmons have to do to move towards being in that sort of conversation? Not saying that he's going to be better or equal to, but what sorts of things in his game does he need to continue to add to where he could be considered a peer of Aaron Donald at the top of NFL defensive tackles. Well, for a defensive tackle to gain the to gain the attention that offenses give them, and so when they have to game plan around them, you have to be disruptive. You have to be able to be disruptive, and 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 he needs to look at. It. He's a completely different player, Mike, than Aaron Donald. Completely different body type, completely different game. But all you got to do is look at that San Francisco game uh, against LA and 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 see what San Francisco did protection. Aaron Donald didn't even sniff the quarterback. 
you know, was when somebody starts getting that type of attention and people start being able to put two and three people on an interior player, that's when you know that, that you're getting attention for the, the production that you're making. So what he has to be able to do, he has to be able to recognize, and, and, and you know, we, I, I've, I've had other good defensive tackles other than Aaron Donald, and the first thing they have to do is continue to work with their techniques and not get frustrated when people start paying those double team and triple team attentions to them because that's going to come. If you're going to start being prolific, especially in the cylinder, the attention is going to start coming. So you have to even grind down more on your techniques. You've got to grind down more on your leverage. You've got to grind down more on your effort because you are going to get more than one person on you. That's just going to happen. And that's the biggest thing. I've talked through it with several defensive tackles that, that I've coached before because what happens is, is they get early success and then they start, you know, getting that attention and then start worrying about why they're not getting success and they start trying to do something different. That's exactly the wrong thing. They, they need to wrong path to go down, continue to do technique wise, listen to your coaching, understand what's going on. Uh, your defensive coordinator will do some things to take the pressure and the heat off of you. So he needs, he, he's on a great path right now because right now he's playing ball and he's getting better week, week to week with his, with his uh, techniques. He really is. I mean, he did some nice, and Amy did a nice job of highlighting him last week because he did a nice job of staying down. He was disruptive. He disrupted that cylinder last week. But the biggest thing I would say from experience is just know that double team attentions are coming very quickly. Don't get discouraged with it. You're going to have to learn to fight through it. Jim Wyatt, it was week seven last year when Ryan Tannehill became the Titans starting quarterback. So it's week seven of this year, not necessarily a, an exactly 365 day to 365 day period, but uh, it certainly is an anniversary because the Titans are 14 and four in the time that he has been the quarterback um, stat that blows me away in the red zone, 53 trips for the Titans, 44 touchdowns. What is the most impressive thing in your mind? And I'm going to give the whole group a shot at this. What has been the, whole, the most impressive part of Ryan Tannehill to you since he took over in week seven a year ago? I mean, obviously his play is tremendous, but I, I just, I'm just going to say his overall command and just his confidence level and how that kind of carries over to the rest of the team. Amy Wells, what has impressed you most about Ryan Tannehill as the starter since week seven a year ago? The thing that has impressed me the most has been his ability to adapt and adjust in what to most people would be very uncomfortable situations. I mean, he came in in a situation that's less than ideal, going from being a starter to a backup. Then he goes from being a backup to a starter when the guy is still in the room with him. That's not super comfortable and healthy, and the team really likes him. So that's an uncomfortable situation. Then he starts to get that going. He's getting ready for his first full season as the leader of the team. And COVID happens. <laughs> and so the off season's kind of uncomfortable and training camp is uncomfortable. And then your team is struggling with COVID and that's uncomfortable. He has been able to lead this team and adjust in a way that people buy into what he's saying in a way that a lot of people I don't think would be able to navigate through. He's, he's really seen a lot of things that are bizarre 
and continues to meet the occasion, rise, still play well, and bring the entire team with him. Like, that, to me, is so impressive. All right, Coach Mack. Before I tell you, if you're not familiar with a publication called the Players' Tribune, there's a tremendous article right now done by, you know, done via Ryan King of the AP with Ryan Tannehill in the first person. It's fabulous. And it answers every question that you've just asked. Because this, this, guy, this guy's a fighter pilot, okay? In huge, stressful situations, everything is normal. Everything is normal. And when you, when you, when you read the article, I would encourage people to read it. It's, it's a great read. Because what, what he has done, this isn't the first time he's, he's felt adversity. He was a number one pick that was labeled a bust, okay, in Miami for a lot of reasons not of his own doing. But to be able to fight through all of that and to fight through injuries and then come here, and once he gets his chance, he has been as steady. The, the, the title of the article is No Secret, No Fluke, because, you know, there were some people that thought that success last year was going to be something that would vanish pretty quick. Well, it has not only – it has not vanished. It's continued to accelerate because he is, as I said, he is a fighter pilot. And the reason I say that, I've been up in an F-16 and sat behind the dude at the controls at Mach 1, and I've done all that. And those guys, with all those things that are going on in front of them, I mean, it, it, the computers that they fly with, and to go at, at Mach 1 speed and be able to do what they do, that's what he is. And that's, that's, and that's he's not faking it. It's real. And that's what he's going to have to do on Sunday. Every Sunday. As I said, when I went up in that F-16, we had a, we had a mock dogfight where they had another F-16 coming at us, and we were doing 360 barrel rolls and death spirals and all that, that stuff. Well, that's what it's going to be like when, when the Pittsburgh Steelers are sending five, six, seven, and eight after it. Got to stay calm. Mac, is there anything in the world that you have not done? Like, is there one thing you haven't done? There's a couple of things, but they're not interesting. So, so that's why you didn't do them? Yeah, exactly. They're not interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Let me throw a couple of uh, Steeler defensive stats at you, Jim White, just for some response. Uh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree have combined for 67 sacks since the start of 2017. Since the start of 2019, the start of last year, the Steelers have 47 takeaways, 28 interceptions, 19 fumbles. That's number one in the league. They lead the league in sacks. Right now with 24, they're on pace for 77. That would break the record of 72 by the 84 Chicago Bears. They held Saquon Barkley to six yards rushing on 15 carries in the season opener. They hit the Denver quarterback 19 times, 19 hits on the quarterback, giving up 3.3 yards per rush. They have 42 tackles for loss. They're averaging eight tackles for loss so far this year. Do you remember? I mean, do you have to go back to one of the Baltimore teams to think about a defensive challenge that the Titans offense has seen like this? And I mean, name the year, but I mean, this is uh, they're doing some historically good things on defense. Yeah, and that's the first thing I thought of when you started talking. It reminded me of some of those Baltimore teams that the Titans faced over the years. And uh, it's pretty remarkable, and that that's the challenge on Sunday is the line. So you've got to do a good job of protecting them. 
Uh, you know, I, I think it's obviously, again, good to have all your weapons back. I think the bowl's obviously going to have to come out. You're going to have to run the ball well to kind of keep them honest. Uh, but their numbers are spectacular. I mean, their sack numbers are takeaway giveaway right behind Tennessee in that category. They're, they're fast and physical. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a huge challenge for the Titans. There's no doubt about it. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Farm Bureau Health Plan as your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. All right, so let's play the game one more time. Amy, you're going first this time. Of course I am, sure. I want you to give me a Titan that is going to have to play well if they are going to beat the Steelers on Sunday. Now, before you start talking, I'm going to give you just a second by repeating This is only the sixth time in modern history that since the merger that undefeated teams have met at week seven or later. It's only the eighth time in NFL history that undefeated teams have met in week seven or later. So it's a, you know, it's something the Titans have never done before. It is the marquee game of the week, even though it's not on one of the marquee TV spots. It's a 12.02 Central Time kickoff on Sunday at Nissan Stadium. If the Titans win at Amy Wells, which Titan will have played well? Can I pick a a group or is this just a person? Okay. It's a person. All right. Well, then I'm going to say Derrick Henry because so much of this Titans offense goes through Derrick Henry right now. The Steelers have been stopping the run. We need to generate the run. That will be a huge part of this game. Derrick Henry needs to play well. Does he get 100 yards? Yes, but he does not get 150. It's 100 to 150. I think that he cracks 100, yes. She was going to say offensive line, I know, but that's far too. I was! Oh, my. Of course you were. Yes. Coach Mack? Jim Wyatt. I'm going Ty Sombralo, and I hope I'm pronounced that right. I've been calling him Sombralo the whole time, and I'm looking at our pronunciation guide at the very bottom of the depth chart, and it's, the pronunciation guide has Sombralo. Sombralo is what I'm told is correct. I had read an earlier one that said Sombralo as well, but I think that's, a, I think that's what we have. Yeah. So I am going with Ty Sombralo because – they're going to test him, and there's question, no question about that. You remove your starting left tackle. The team is going – the Steelers are going to test that side of the football, and obviously it's not a one-man job to slow down a Steelers pass rush on a team that likes to blitz from everywhere. But I think a lot of the pressure is going to come from that side of the ball, and he's going to have to hold up. I would like to make an observation that every single person basically said offensive line. Jim got the closest to it, but all three of us said it. So you should have just let me say it first so I could win. Sabotage. How about Malcolm Butler? Because don't you think he's going to see Chase Claypool some? Yes. He'll see Chase Claypool some in a double situation, too. Chase Claypool, good-looking player. The Canadian superstar from Notre Dame. Six touchdowns already. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. We have enjoyed being with you on this edition of the OTP. 
for Amy Wells, Coach Dave McGinnis, and Jim Wyatt. Mike Keith says thanks for joining us for the OTT. Where the legends go, everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.